listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, uh, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I'm joined by... And I am Swata Nanda Kumar, ACB's Advocacy and Art Specialist. And thank you to everyone who is listening via your favorite podcast player, as well as streaming over the ACB Media Network. If you would like to learn more about the American Council of the Blind, you can always visit our website, acb.org. Or if you want to learn about this summer's uh, annual conference and convention, which will be held July 1st through 6th in Schaumburg, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Uh, Conference registration for ACB members does open on May 18th. So please be sure to visit acbconvention.org as well as listen to the podcast that Swatha and I did with our interim president, Deb Cook-Lewis, and our ACB convention coordinator, Janet Dickelman, to learn more about what uh, the Windy City has in store for ACB this summer. Of course, if you have an advocacy-related question, you can email Swatha or me at advocacy at acb.org. And we are back with another uh, part to our conversation about accessible pedestrian signals. So Swatha, what have we already done on this topic and what do we have in store today? Yeah, so like Clark Clark mentioned, this is part two of our Chicago APS pedestrian signals um, lawsuit podcast. Um, the f- last week, last week we had on Madeline Reichman from the Disability Rights Advocates, um, who was a lawyer in the um, lawsuit and was there when the judge ruled that Chicago was in violation of the ADA. So this week we'll have um, our um, and of boots on the ground advocates, our three named plaintiffs, as well as the president of the ACB of Metro, Metro Chicago, of Metro Chicago, of Metro Chicago um, president. So um, first up, we have Ray Campbell, who is the president of the uh, Illinois Council of the Blind, um, an affiliate of ACB. We also have, um, we also have our pre- president of the ACB of Metro of Metro Chicago um, chapter of ICB, um, Debbie Watson. And we have two of the name two two members of ACB and um, of ICB, and two name two um, deep who are rare, rare involved in the, in the lawsuit. Um, Anne Brash and Maureen Hennigan. Hi guys, how are you? Just fine. Good. Doing well. <laughs> and again, thank you all for joining us for this conversation. Uh, Debbie, I'd like to start with you. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing with folks a quick summary of your involvement with the American Council of the Blind and the Illinois Council of the Blind. Well, I was, I'm originally from Ohio and I started to get involved with it there. But I, I was 
going to things, but I wasn't as active as I became later in, in Illinois. But I liked ACBMC, or I, I liked ACB, sorry, um, because it was much less militant or harsh than some of the NFB things at that particular time. Uh, and uh, I really, I agreed much more with its philosophy. So when I came to Chicago, uh, partly to make friends and partly because I really did want to get more involved, I joined ACBMC of Metro Chicago. And I started out, uh, and I've just continued ever since. I love the organization. I love our chapter. You know, it might be easier. I, I know that you can say ACB of Metro Chicago, but we always say ACBMC, and everyone, you know, knows that meaning. But um, I've just enjoyed. I've become more and more involved, and I really love the organization and, of course, my affiliate. Thank you, Debbie. And Anne, may I come to you next about your history with uh, the American Council of the Blind and the Illinois Council? Yes, uh, I've been a member of the ACBMC since uh, 1978. And at that time, I joined uh, basically ICB as well. Um, and 1979 was my first ACB convention. And I've only missed about maybe two and since that point in time. So I've been oh, around wow. for a long time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. And Maureen, how about yourself? Well, um, I've been a member of, um, you know, the ACB for um, 23 years now. Yeah, I joined in 2000. I, it's hard to believe that's 23 years ago. But um, I'll be honest, my, um, I, you know, um, I was what they, you know, call a partial for years. And, um, you know, I had, I had some sight. And um, um, I, I was legally blind, of course. But, you know, when I went to high grammar school and high school and all that we were never told about any of these organizations and stuff so I was losing more sight and I was having more difficulty so um I joined um a support group with um the um blind services association and I met I met Ann Brass and she um you know uh told me about ACB and was you know encouraging me to join and um so I came to some of their holiday parties <laughs> and because I was kind of just I, I'll be honest, at the time, I was just kind of looking to make some more friends and, you know, have some more social activities. So I came to some of their holiday parties and I was like, wow, these people are a lot of fun and nice. And so I started coming to more of the um, ACB meet, ACBMC meetings. And I once I, you know, learned about all the advocacy they were doing, I jumped right in. I'm like, I want to, you know, I want to get involved and I want to, you know, um, I want to advocate for, you know, people who are blind and visually impaired. And so ever since then, I've just, you know, I've been real involved and, um, you know, have done a lot of, you know, a lot of advocacy work and um, I'm now the treasurer of the, or, you know, the organization. And um, so just, it's just been a great, a great, um, one of the best things I've ever done for myself. I, um, you know, <laughs> I have to say so. And she does an excellent job as treasurer. Well, thank you, Deb. That's good to hear. And last but not least, Ray. Uh, it sounds like your your Chicago folks they're they're involved for the social aspect as well as the advocacy. It sounds like your kind of party. 
Well, it's, it, it certainly <laughs> it certainly is, and um, actually, okay. it's kind of funny. Anne kind of you know got me involved. I, I we met at another event, and um, I had been kind of looking around. I was working, and you know, I wanted to figure out how to give back. So I've been kind of looking around for an ACB chapter to get involved with. And lo and behold, uh, I met up with Anne and she uh, told me when the Chicago chapter met and I went and started going to their meetings. And at that time they were having evening dinner meetings, which worked out really nice for me. And um, I went down there and started, met Anne and Debbie and uh, a whole bunch of other people. And, um, you know, met uh, then, you know, got, to become good friends with with all of them, and then of course that led to me getting involved with the ICB, and and uh, you know eventually moving into where I am now, an officer of ACB. So um, it's I've been involved since about 1990 um, is when I first got involved. So um, been been a great uh, thing, and I, I love doing I love doing advocacy work. Uh, always have, and so. It just was my cup of tea. It's always great to hear about longtime members and how much they love your organization. Um, so kind of going into your active work with um, Illinois and Chicago, um, before you and Ray, um, how like, can you give a little background on the history of advocacy with the APS in the state or city? Um. Yeah, um, we have a, there's a long history of advocacy for accessible pedestrian signals in Chicago. It goes back at least as far as 2008, uh, that I can remember anyway. Um, so, and the city, I think, has always realized the need to have them, um, but they just haven't gotten them put in, and now hopefully they will. Um I can remember I was working at the Chicago Lighthouse for the blind people who are blind or visually impaired for um, a, a few years. And I remember going to meetings there where we were talking about um, accessible signals and they had a list of uh, an initial, you know, several intersections that were going to be equipped with them and all of that. And um you know, so it kind of went on and on and on. And, you know, over the years, you know, different things would come up and they would say, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we hear you. We know we need to do it. And finally, 2019, um, there was um, an open house that was held. And, you know, they, they have actually, they've actually had, had, pl had plans laid out uh, to uh, install some accessible signals. But um, at the same time, that was when we were starting to get in contact with disability rights advocates. And I think what basically we all said was, you know, enough is enough. Uh, they have been promising this for a long time. There's no reason they can't do it. There's, there's it just it just needs to happen. And so finally, I think um, we all, the three plaintiffs and uh, the ACBMC chapter, kind of said, "Look, we've got to we've got to force their hand here a little bit." And so we filed the legal action in late 2019. And of course, as you've heard recently, uh, the judge ruled in our favor. And um, so we'll be we'll talk more later about where where we think it's going to go from here. But uh, that's kind of a nutshell, the history of of uh, work uh, advocacy on accessible signals. The blind, blind and visually impaired people in Chicago have been asking for them for a long time. 
Yeah. Um, Debbie, as ACBMC president, um, do you have anything to add here? I'm sorry. What did you say? I, 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 as ACBMC president, what, what would you do? Do I have anything to add? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, one of our strong, we all have supported this. And, but Anne and Maureen were really very strong supporters in writing letters uh, to people and various uh, city officials. And sometimes by themselves and sometimes uh, at, in the name of the chapter. And they really were, were very, very hard workers on this. But we all wanted this. You know, as I said, they, they wrote letters in the name of the chapter, uh, you know, part of the responsibility for advocacy, and they, they have done it on their own. They've done an excellent job working with us. Great. Um, Anne or Maureen, um, sorry, Anne, um, do you want to add anything about your work, what you've done, like what Anne Debbie is referring to? Well, it, it was, um, as everybody said, it was, it was a kind of a process. And uh, what happened was that um, I was approached by Lori Sharp, who, of course, was involved in the case in New York. And she asked me if I wanted to talk to an attorney. I'm kind of known around here as a person that has been complaining about the lack of accessible traffic signals forever. Um, I, I worked, you know, in the loop for 46 years. And uh, my office um, changed uh, locations and we moved from the loop to the West loop. And that is where I almost got hit by a bus on the second day of work in our new office. And so um, I started advocating even more for accessible traffic signals. And that's when Lori Sharp asked me if I wanted to talk to an attorney. So that's how I got into the whole thing. And the chapter has been really, really supportive. And finally, Maureen, anything else you want to add that haven't covered yet? Well, yeah, I just, um, I, you know, as Debbie Watson was saying, you know, we have done some individual, I mean, I, I wrote like letters to my alderman and um, I went to some meetings with, uh, you know, CDOT and, um, uh, you know, just really, you know, promises were made and, you know, as Ray said, and nothing, nothing was really coming about. So, um, I was actually hit by a car in 2004. And, um, so I was really like, yeah, we, we definitely, you know, need, um, accessible pedestrian signals. So, um, when Ann, you know, spoke to Lori, um, then, then she came to me and, you know, uh, you know, mentioned about, you know, uh, speaking with lawyers and about, you know, the lawsuit and everything. And I was of course all for it because it, it seems like we weren't getting anywhere. You know, we, we tried to, you know, at, you know, write letters. We, I think, I think I sent a letter to the mayor. I think that was Rahm Emanuel at the time, um, you know, on behalf of the chapter and, you know, we just weren't getting any, any response or anywhere. So we, you know, when Ann came to me, I said, yes, I think we, I think we ought to speak with lawyers about this, you know, if yeah. I may add one thing, we were really given the runaround because they mm. kept referring us back, mm -hmm. and, and you know I, we would hear the letters in the meeting. Well, you should take this up with the Department of Transportation. No, you should take this up with the Disability Office. No, you should take it up with your alderman. No, you should do. Th I mean, 
they they really ran us around greatly. Uh, so that was one definite reason, as Maureen and Ann have said, we we needed to take action. Well, and I'd also just say, too, that my connection to this, even though I <clears throat> wasn't a chapter member for um, quite a bit of the time, the time um, was that um, I worked in downtown Chicago. And in doing that, had to cross some really scary intersections um, to just to move about and get to and from work and that sort of thing. Um, so it's like, yes, when 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 the disability rights advocates came to me about being involved with this, I said, absolutely, because, you know, this is it frankly felt like I was taking my life in my hands um, at times because we didn't have them. Um, so the accessible signals. So, yeah, that uh, definitely was um just, just got to the point, as we all said, that we had to take some action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, folks shared that they, it felt like you were getting the, the runaround from city officials. Was there any progress made throughout the advocacy before engaging with attorneys in the conversation to the, the installation of accessible pedestrian signals in Chicago? And Ray, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, um, th- I mean, as far as getting signals installed, I can't say for sure because my main focus of, you know, others can maybe speak more clearly to that than I can because my main focus of traveling in the city was around the downtown area, and I know we didn't get them installed there. Um, yeah. But, for example, um, I can remember attending um, a meeting. It had to do with... Um, modifications that were going to be made to some of the CTA bus uh, buses. And one of the things that they were going to do was uh, allow for uh, what was called queue jumping. And what that meant was that the bus would actually get an additional um, light or you know, he- heading on the light. So they, so they could make up time basically if they were running late and stuff. And we all said, and even folks from the NFB that were at that meeting said, we've got, if you're going to do that, we've got to have accessible signals. And still nothing happened. And there have been just multiple opportunities over the years where uh, this could have been done and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And and you shared that that was kind of the, the sentiment that you felt as well. There's lots of work to be done, but very little progress being made throughout the the advocacy before engaging the attorneys, correct? Correct. I I think they may have put in a couple um, signals somewhere, but uh, one of the rulings that the judge made was that the city does not communicate with its blind um, residents or those of us who worked there. So we weren't told if they did. I, I did go on the website and I know for sure that there is a, an accessible traffic signal at the corner of State and Jackson that they're calling accessible, but it's not accessible. It's a signal where there's a lady that says it's safe to cross both streets catacornered. 
but you don't know how much time is left. You don't know when it started. And I don't know a blind person that would cross a corner to cross two streets anyway, but they are including that in, in what they call an accessible traffic signal. So it's, it's kind of hard to determine whether they have made any progress um, or not. Um, but I just can't imagine a sighted person going across a, a busy street without an accessible, without a traffic light. I, I just can't. And I just would just make one thing I just thought of too. One thing they did do was they put this, they did this thing at Jackson and state and you guys might know what I'm talking about where they would stop traffic on all four corners and then basically say for at certain times, they'd say, okay, well, everybody can cross. Well, Number one, as Ann said, you didn't know how much time you had, but what's the thing we need to guide us across the street is traffic and we didn't have it. So it was kind of, it was kind of a half-hearted attempt, I think, to, um, to say, to basically say we're doing something. Right. And they also in, um, I forget what year it was, but they, there were two streets, um, Washington and uh, Madison, where they redid um, a lot of the inner, in fact, they redid the whole streets. They, they put in new bus stops and new traffic lights and all sorts of stuff. So they really weren't even kind of following the law at that point, because even at that point, they were supposed to, if they retrofit anything, they were supposed to uh, put in the accessible signals. Yeah. So from just inconsistency of following their own policies, okay. you all felt the need to take the next step in your advocacy efforts and have the conversations with the lawyers about a possible lawsuit here. Right. Yeah. To you, Swatha. All right. Um, since like we talked about, and we talked about how like you didn't feel safe doing a thing. Um, let's forget for Ray and Maureen. Um, how did you become plaintiffs or how did you, um, become like name plaintiffs. Um, we start with Ray again. Okay. Well, um, I I was aware that um, I, I think I got really interested in becoming a name plaintiff. I was actually approached by disability rights advocates um, about it. And, um, you know, they were talking to me about, you know, wanting to file um you know, this, uh, this litigation. And I was, um, I was a little hesitant at first. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not much of one to like to engage in this kind of the, the, you know, in lawsuits and that kind of thing. So I was kind of hesitant at first, but, you know, the more I talked to them, the more I thought about it. Um, it's like, you know, I've got to do this. It's not for me that I've got to do this. I've got to do this for the blind and visually impaired community, uh, both that live in Chicago and that come and visit Chicago. And it was that kind of thing that made me say, plus the things I was experiencing that made me say, I got, I got to do this. Great. Um, Maureen, anything to add? Well, um, you know, as I said before, um, Anne, you know, came to me and I think, you know, she knew how um, important it was to me and, to, you know, and of course, for the blind community, um, because I had talked about, you know, getting hit by a car and I, uh, 
talked about, you know, sending letters to my alderman and um, the mayor and and so forth. So, um, you know, I think she really knew that I would be all for this. Um, And as Ray said, you know, I'm not one to uh, go ahead and just sue for no reason. But the reason I thought it was a good thing to do was because, as we said, we weren't getting anywhere with the other um, things we were doing. You know, we, we just weren't really getting anywhere. So I just thought, well, you know, if we're not going to make any progress um, from the things we've done, then this, you know, we, this will have to be our, our, you know, our, our we'll have to resort to this, to, to the lawsuit, you know, so. And Anuka talked about being approached by Lori Sharp. Um, were you, was that like, how did that happen? How did, else did, you, did you get any other requests for, for, um, yeah, any like other requests or any other, um, you know, Anyone else talk to you? Basically, it was Lori. She and I got to know each other because we were on the ACB Women's Committee. And as I, you know, was saying, I sort of complained all the time about not having any accessible signals. So basically, it was, do you, she asked me if I wanted to contact the attorney. I said, yes, she gave me the phone number. And so that's basically what happened. I don't believe in lawsuits either. Um, the, the problem this, you know, and and actually... Uh, about a little bit halfway before this case, I, I told the attorney that I wanted to drop out because I, I just felt that I was doing something that I really, you know, I just believe morally that uh, suits are not the right way to go. But on the other hand, I came back in to the case again because it's these are life and death situations, not only for us, but as Ray said, for everybody else. So... So that's why I did that, but. Alrighty, back to you, Clark. All right, and uh, I guess before we jump to, you know, having the courts ruling in hand, uh, Debbie, how was the, the process of being an individual plaintiff? And what did you think was going to come out of that process? Well, I was not an individual plaintiff. Uh, I wanted to try to be, but I didn't get my name in in time. But uh, we we had to let them know whether or not we were going to be individual plaintiffs. We had to let the lawyers know. Um, I got mine in a little bit too late. But I'm not, you know, I was very, very glad to represent the chapter on this. And... Uh, but I think the basic thing is that you filed uh, with the lawyers. That is how you know you became that individual, uh, the the plaintiff. And our chapter filed. We wanted to. We were kind of a fourth. We Anne, Maureen, and Ray were individuals, and then mm-hmm. our chapter was the fourth plaintiff there. And I want to add just one more thing. You asked, you know, to the questions asked. One of the reasons that the city kept telling us that they wouldn't get the traffic signals was that they didn't have money, and yet grant money had been offered them at that time. So I did want to add that very briefly. Yes, thank you for correcting me that uh, um, the Metro chapter for Chicago was the the organizational plaintiff. Yeah, um, yeah, we were. N- yes. Now that the 
Now that I guess, what did the court say? Well, you know, we heard it from uh, Madeline and disability rights advocates, but um, I'd like to hear it from your own words, Debbie. What what was they, the court they, uh, ruling? The, I, the exact thing was that the Chicago city of Chicago was wrong. They were not keeping their word on this. They did not keep their, uh, you know, they did not keep their promise or their uh, ability to uh, treat people equally, and it was time they did. So they, the court ruled in favor of them. That's that's a paraphrase. I don't have the exact thing in front sure. of me right now, but uh, that's kind of a paraphrase. They said, "Hey, you know, you guys aren't. You guys, uh, you know, need to treat all citizens equally, and you're not doing it. So, so this is my ruling. Get started. Get started doing it. And one of the things too, I will add that kind of helped us is. The, the, the Department of Justice took our side. I am so thrilled every time I think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Department of Justice took our side in this, too. So, Debbie, does this mean that the, the work of ACBMC is done, or is there more work no. for you all to do? Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, we need to keep on it um, because, you know, like the city says, well, at least we'll get 70% of this done, you know, that's kind of what they're sort of proposing to do. But we need to keep on it and to make sure that all intersections and any new intersections that come up must have audio pedestrian signals. And thank goodness we have attorneys that get back with us and will let us know, you know, the progress uh, of this. But uh, until we get the intersections done, our chapter's work is not finished. That's great. And back to you, Swatha. All right. So kind of moving, moving up from like the Chicago International, um, Ray, as a board member of the ACB National Organization, um, what impact will the suit, do you think the suit will have on um, you know, other, other, other affiliates or nationwide or what do you think uh, that will happen? I... Uh... I have a very a pretty strong take on that. I think this ruling combined with uh, what you know the situation with New York, you get two of the largest cities in the country have now been told um, that that they are violating the law and that they need to install these signals. And I think it needs it should, it should send a very clear message to communities around the state of Illinois and across the country that you can no longer ignore the providing equal access to people who are blind or visually impaired at signalized intersections. I, I, I think that that will send that kind of message. Um, there's still advocacy to do. And I think, um, well, I, I don't think any affiliate out there should say, well, you know, we got these two rulings. Now it's just automatically going to happen. You still need to ask for it. But I think that what, that you can use these two rulings of two of the largest cities in the country to say the the courts are not in your favor and you're going to have to move ahead and install these things and uh you know hopefully get it done uh so so i do think there's a, a potential some really good impact there and i think it's going to make the uh, advocacy process for other affiliates uh a lot easier do you see other affiliates using the suit as like kind of kind of other for their like um advocacy advocacy well, I, I do. I mean, we kind of use New York as, uh, you know, kind of uh, cannon fodder to say we got to do this in Chicago, too. I mean, we 
you know, we spent, uh, several of us, I know, spent um, extensive uh, time in the 2019 during the convention in the suite talking with the uh, New York folks and the disability rights advocates folks that were there. And, um, you know, I do expect that uh, that will happen. I know, I know that um, one of the things that we're trying to do at the uh, Illinois Council level is to make sure that um, to try to even use this around the state of Illinois to say, you know, in various places to say, hey, look, you know, Chicago just got told they have to do this. Um, we'd really like to not have to do do any more lawsuits or anything. So let's let's just get it done. And I can tell you that I don't know if this had anything to do with it. Well, I don't think it did because the ruling wasn't out. But I can tell you that here in Springfield, we have been, there's a big signal project going on downtown, and we have been told that there will be installing accessible signals. And my response back was, we'll be watching you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ray, you kind of stole my thunder here. Glad to hear that the Illinois Council's uh, looking statewide on this issue. And uh, because you are no longer in the, in the Chicagoland area, you're down in Springfield. Do you do you think that the local government in Springfield and the Department of Transportation there in Springfield are aware of the ruling from Chicago? We actually just passed a resolution at our convention and, uh, you know, commending the ruling and everything and kind of, you know, explaining it. And one of the um, asks in that resolution is to send a copy uh, with appropriate cover letter to the Secretary of Transportation for the state. Um, along with another big agency, which is the Illinois Municipal League. And they're a, a group that represents cities and towns all across the state. So we're, um, we're going to be doing that kind of uh, work as well to kind of, kind of, you know, bring their attention to this, that um, they really need to get their cities, um, um, you know, that these cities need to get on the stick and get this done. Absolutely. Well, that's great to hear. Um, all right. So kind of going back to all four of you, um, what advice would you give to other people looking to kind of advocate or advocate on, on, on this on this top issue um, with their like state or local governments or city governments? Um, and we can start with um, Ray again, I guess. What advice would you give, Ray? Okay. Um, I, I would say, um, first and foremost, your personal stories are some of the most powerful things that you have. And if you can, you know, get to the right people and um, one thing you're, you know, tell your personal story um, and, you know, don't be afraid to go to the top, go to the mayor, go to, uh, the head of your city's uh, transportation department, whoever it might be, and you know, tell how the lack of accessible signals affects you, and you know, what's your life at risk, or or maybe how you have to, you feel like you need to use paratransit to get around because you know, a lot of the intersections that you might normally have to cross are not don't have accessible signals, and um, I think. I think the other thing I would try to do, if you if if you get people that show some interest, 
if you can point them to some accessible signals that they can go and, and look at and see how they work themselves, I think that's uh, important. The other thing I'd say to people to do is really, you know, publicize, you know, get get the word out about you know why this is important and what you're you're doing and you know what, what why this is a, an important issue, and don't be afraid even to use the media letters to the editor and. Uh, um, you know, if you can get on, you know, Chicago media is a big media market. It's hard to get on some of those, you know, like radio stations and stuff. But um, in smaller communities, uh, sometimes the media, they're looking for unique stories. Um, and use social media, too. Don't be afraid to do that as well and to maybe get to the social media pages and of, 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 of your city and say, hey, this isn't right. You know, we need to have um, equal access. I think the biggest thing I'd say with accessible signals is it's all about equal access. You don't have access to the same information that a sighted pedestrian does, and you need to to frame it in that in that way with your personal stories and say, "Hey, this is a violation of the law, and we're not gonna we're not gonna put up with that." All right, Debbie, anything to add? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, if I can just add briefly to Ray, and then if you have any other questions, that's fine. I would also tell them, don't give up. Don't lose courage. Because it's taken us a long time to get where we're at. And just keep on plugging. I really would. I, would add, I totally support Ray and everything that he says, and I would just add that. Keep on plugging, because we had a lot of discouragement we had a lot of runarounds until we took this action. And even when, uh, you know, we had filed the lawsuit, there were days, <laughs> I know for me personally, I felt discouraged, oh, we're never going to get this passed. And here came out, and we've won a wonderful victory. So just tell them to keep unplugging and don't give up. I like that, don't give up. Um, Maureen, can you add? Um, yes. Um, I just, um, you know, I... Uh, sorry, my phone started, decided it wanted to start talking. <laughs> um, okay, it stopped. Um, so yes, I totally agree with Debbie, with what Debbie and Ray said. And, um, you know, I, you know, as they both said, you know, it took a lot of work, but, but um, it's important, right, not to get, to try your best not to get discouraged. And um, I think social media, as Ray said, is a great, uh, a great way like to get the word out and let people know, you know, what's going on. And that this is, um, you know, against the law to, uh, this is discrimination that we're not getting the same, uh, you know, the same access to, um, and, you know, to life and death, this is a life and death situation. This isn't just, you know, some little petty thing, you know, we, I mean, this is a matter of life and death. So, um, you know, I think, and and as Ray said, I think your personal story is a great way to um, kind of, uh, you know, if you're going to the the media or or whoever, you know, the, your personal story is is real important because that makes you it, it makes it more personable. You know, it's not just like, um, you know, it's you know they then they think of you as as a human being and um, you know cr crossing these horrible intersections without, um, you know, without any, uh, without any, um, accessible signals, you know, so. 
All righty. And last but not least, Anne? Um, what I would say as a couple things. Basically, um, before I forget, I would want people to know that we don't get any money out of this. So these suits are not for our personal gain or anything. They're, they're for the traffic signals. But secondly, what I'd like people to know is this is not an easy process. Okay. So personal stories, like, like everybody has said, are a wonderful thing. But it's not easy. I mean, I don't like recalling necessarily that I almost got hit by a bus. Um, so it because it, it's an emotional thing. But it's worth doing to turn something that is not good into something that is. And the whole legal process is very difficult. You have depositions and interviews and things. And I have to tell myself all the time that I need to do this because I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for uh, the next generations to come. Uh, so the whole thing isn't easy. So like Debbie said, don't give up. But you have to realize going into it that it's it's not necessarily a, an easy process. Back to you, Clark. Yeah, thanks, Swatha. And that's a great point. Um, but rather than reliving something that is traumatic, let's uh, let's end on a high note here. And Anna, Anna, when I come back to you, what are you most looking forward to about the ACB conference and convention right in your backyard of Schaumburg, Illinois, this summer? I, I can't believe it's right in my backyard. I don't have to take a plane anywhere. I think that's absolutely outstanding. <laughs> So the, your highlight's just the proximity to, to your local area? The highlight is the proximity to the area. It looks like a great convention, and I'm looking forward to the convention. But I, I'm not one to want to travel very far, and so I think this is really <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> All right. And how about you, Debbie? What are you looking forward to with the oh, convention this summer? I love it. I, I, I'm really looking forward that it's finally a, a convention that I can attend. Uh, I usually do not go to national except virtually uh but i and i have attended a couple but mainly you know the money the staying in a hotel uh that type of thing it it, it makes it very difficult for me personally to go so i am thrilled i get to spend <laughs> all i want to at this wonderful convention and even go on some of the tours so i'm really jumping up and down i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to participating in the programs in the uh, government, you know, the affiliate meetings that we have at the convention, and of course, to seeing the exhibits that I've always said is my private den of iniquity. I just love that exhibit hall. So yes, I, I like it being in my own area and backyard. And I get to go. That's great. How about you, Maureen? Um, well, like Ann and Debbie said, it's, it is nice this year. I mean, I have to, you know, get on a couple of Metro trains, but that's no big deal. Um, I, um, um, money wise, it, it is nice that I, you know, don't have to spend a bunch of money on airfare and that, and, um, I love the conventions I've gone to, since I've been in the chapter, I've gone to, you know, quite a few of them. Um, and, um, I always have a wonderful time. It's great to just see friends and, um, you know, um, you know, that type of thing and, um, looking forward to, you know, going on some of the tours, um, especially I think the beach tour, I, I love swimming. I love you know, the water and all that. So I'm definitely looking forward to that tour. 
Um, but just in general, I, I always enjoy the conventions and it's just a nice, you know, um, a nice way to be with friends and a nice way to uh, learn, learn stuff and to get information, you know, about, about blindness and things like that. So, and it's great to meet new people too at these conventions. People yes. I've never met, sure. people from out of state. <laughs> and it's great to have everything in Braille. Yes, yes, it, everything <laughs> accessible. <laughs> oh, All right, Ray, Ray, bring us home. If anyone's oh. on the fence and wondering if they should attend the convention this summer. You all need to make your reservations, your plane reservations, your hotel reservations, and get your butts to Schaumburg this summer. We, we want you all there. Our, 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 our host committee and the convention committee have worked very, very hard to put together a good convention. I know it might be easy to stay home and do it virtually, but no, you're, you're going to miss out. You need to come to Schaumburg. Um, we've, we haven't had a convention in Illinois in 29 years. Um, and it's, it's going to be a great time. And uh, I'm just looking forward to everybody coming and, um, and spending some time with us and um, getting good education, having some fun tours and just having a great time. So yeah, y'all got to come to Schaumburg in about 54 days, I want to say. Thank you so much. And Yes, Swatha. No, I look. I, I look. I look for be, being being all all of you. So, yes, right. Yes. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Look forward to meeting. Look forward to seeing you again. You and I've met before. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have too. never, but I'm in. I'm very anxious to meet with you. Uh, really yeah, me, my, myself as well. Yeah. Well, already Clark. And there'll be some great advocacy programming related to transportation and pedestrian and environmental access, as well as legal advocacy. Um, so great that to have. I get to speak on one of those. All right, you do. So great to have some seasoned advocates in the room to help everyone who wants to learn and take some of these lessons back home with them. And again, uh, Conference and convention registration opens May 18th. If you are traveling in, be sure to uh, book your rooms in the hotel. The room block closes on June 8th. And of course, all of this information is available at acbconvention.org. So a big thank you to our folks from Chicago and Illinois, uh, and. Debbie, Maureen, and Ray for sharing the advocacy work that you all have done uh, to expand access to accessible pedestrian signals in the city of Chicago. And of course, a, a big thank you again to the, uh, the folks that worked with you in this effort at Disability Rights Advocates. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Keep you advocating. That's right. Ah, Ray, you stole my, you stole my mind. <laughs> as Ray Campbell said, and as the folks in Chicago have done, uh, let's all of us just keep advocating. keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.